Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Gloria, for that beautiful song, I Surrender All. That will fit nicely into my theme today, I think. Let's just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another Sunday. We can come and study your word and just get blessings that it always gives us. We pray now for this pandemic as people are beginning to get the shots. We pray many more could get both shots and we could just be rid of this so we could meet again and fill up this sanctuary. We ask your blessing upon this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are we're all in the same boat. We've been going on with this thing for almost a year. And I was thinking the other morning, my rotation is Safeway, Costco, and then back home. Every day in this past, since this thing started, I've had oatmeal probably five days a week, waffles maybe one day a week with black seed meal or scrambled eggs. Because we never can go out for dinner or breakfast during this, this time. And so whatever we eat, we have to get all the ingredients and the materials. We can't make something out of nothing, but our God can. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. He makes something out of nothing. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. He made this beautiful creation that we live in from nothing, a void. The definition of a void is a complete, empty space. The first two verses of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the the waters. If you read the rest of that chapter, I love the way he says let, over and over and over. God has so much power, and when you think about let, He lets things happen, he permits permits things to happen, and he prevents things from happening at his time and his pace. He is sovereign over everything. If you're saying let to something, if the door, somebody's at the door and says, let them in, I go open the door and they come in. Or if Sherry says, don't let them in, we're not going to give them access to come in. Look at what the Lord let. He said, let there be light, land, vegetation, plants and fruit to eat, stars and planets, the moon and the sun, birds, sea creatures, and land animals. He then made us, and he looked and saw his creation, and he said it was good. All of this He created from nothing. He made something from nothing. I just have a few examples. Another example in Exodus 15, 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, 
They could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? It didn't take them long to start complaining. This was right at the start of their journey. So they come to this spring and they can't drink the water. It's foul, totally useless, basically nothing. So Moses, look what he had just went through with all the signs with Pharaoh. He knew what to do. He prayed to the Lord. And it, the scripture says a piece of wood. It might have been a branch or a stick. But he picked up that piece of wood, threw it in the water, and the, the spring became perfectly suitable to drink. He used a simple thing, the piece of wood, to work this miracle, show his power, and he provided for his people who had no water, and then they had an abundance of water. It said there were, what, two million people in the nation of Israel at that time, so he provided ample water for all of them. And what a loving God we have when you think about this journey. They were just freed from slavery in Egypt, yet right off the bat, they're complaining. At the first obstacle, they're complaining. Even as to bring up the fact that they were better off in Egypt under its slavery, they said that the things they ate in Egypt at no cost, the cucumbers, the melons, the fish, leeks, onion, and garlic. Yet the Lord blessed them tremendously by giving them this fresh water supply. And then they get a double blessing because their next stop is at a place called Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And they camped there near the water in the shade. That's like palm springs out of nowhere. What a God we have. We can complain and gripe as we do. And he responds with compassion and blessings, not what we deserve. We fall down and he picks us up. Another example, water again in 2 Kings 2, 19-21. The men of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. Again, we have worthless water. Unusable for, for irrigation or for drinking. Elisha has so much faith in the Lord. He had just witnessed his mentor, Elijah, being taken to heaven in the chariot of fire in the whirlwind. So Elisha springs into action. Knowing full well the Lord will work a miracle, he uses two simple common items again, a new bowl and salt. It's not about the items. It's about the Lord. He could have used a stick like Moses did, or a stick like 
He used, Elijah used with the uh, floating axe head. But salt this time was handy and available. And he put the salt in the water and the Lord spoke through him and said, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. We put salt in the water. We're going to have salt water. The Lord through Elisha throws salt in the water and they have crystal clear drinking water, safe to drink. Again, the Lord provided for his people and he made something drinkable water out of nothing, foul water. And just on a side note, after this is kind of an interesting little paragraph. Talk about how the Lord backs his people and has Elisha's back the whole way. As he was leaving Elisha, a group of thugs, young kids, were mocking him and taunting him. And Elisha went up to the Lord, and the Lord sent down a curse, and two bears came out of the wood and slaughtered over 40 of these thugs. It shows you you mock God's messengers, you are mocking God. And through this, Elisha was strengthened in his ministry early on, and the Lord definitely had his back. We are so fortunate to live in California. It's just, just beautiful. In our city, Pleasanton, I'm sure the same as yours, we have supermarkets all over the place. As I said, we go to Safeway, and throughout this whole thing, Safeway has stocked everything, fruits, vegetables, meat, breads, dairy, everything, completely. The only thing they ever had a shortage on was some paper goods because of the COVID. And some of us have our freezers packed with food. Some people have earthquake storage in their garage with water and rations and other goods. We're blessed because we don't have famines. Other parts of the world have famines. In Africa, it's said there are 30 million people suffering from famine right now. And we have not experienced a famine here. And in biblical times, there was many famines, as you know. And not just in little, little areas. Joseph sent his sons 200 miles to Egypt to get grain during the famine. And then we know the whole story about Joseph there. And this next story takes place in another famine. And this is after the miracle of Elisha with the widow with the never-ending jar of oil and the saving of the life of the Shumanite woman's son. So Elisha is performing many miracles if you remember Sylvia's study, she always said that Elisha performed twice as many miracles. He got the double blessing as his mentor, Elijah. So in 2 Kings 4.38, it says, Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. While the company of the prophets was meeting with him, he said to his servant, put on the large pot and cook some stew for these men. One of them went out into the fields to gather herbs and found a wild vine. He gathered some of its gourds and filled the fold of his cloak. 
When he returned, he cut them up into the pot of stew, though he, no one knew what they were. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot, and they could not eat it. So Elijah is running this seminar. He's responsible for these prophets, learning prophets. He's in charge and they had to eat. So he sends out the servant. To, it's a famine, there's nothing growing, so he cuts up whatever he can see, basically. And he cuts these gourds up. And the, the commentary said it was some kind of cucumber that was deadly to man. It might have been food for animals or we don't know, but it was definitely deadly to man. So he puts it in the boiling water, chops it up, and as, as we read, some of them says, oh, man of God, there's death in the pot. So what would you say? Oh, dump it, dump it out. Uh, don't feed it to anybody else. Induce them to vomit. That would be taking the matter in your own hands. That's what a lot of people probably would do. But Elijah, so faithful, his faith takes hold again. And he, he knows the Lord can work another miracle. And Elisha focuses on God and he tells the servant to get some flour. What's flour got to do with any of this? It was probably all they had on hand. It's a famine that might have been it. We see, we've seen sticks, salt, flour. The Lord can use anything. Those things all had nothing to do with the Lord's power, but it shows, he uses them to show how he does these miracles. So he tells the servant, put the flour in the pot, and he does, stirs it up, and he says, now give it to the prophets to eat. Without testing what it's going to taste like, I'm not sure about this one, but I might have said, Okay, Elisha, after you, you go first. But they didn't say that. The prophets trusted Elisha and the Lord so much that they ate it, and it was perfect vegetable stew. And again, the Lord blessed his people, provided an abundance of food for them, and grew their strength and faith because they were part of this miracle without even knowing it. They became part of it. He made something, vegetable stew, out of nothing, deadly stew. And the next one, I saved the, this is the best one, I saved this one for last. He made us something out of nothing. We, before salvation, were that poisonous pot of sin. We could not be useful in any fashion to comfort anybody, provide wisdom, hope. What hope could we provide when we had no hope ourselves without having the Lord? We needed that detoxifying agent of Jesus, that power. It says as much in Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, 
Though your skins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Amen for that. His blood on the cross accomplished this for us and anybody else who will accept the Lord. We were the void, that emptiness, nothing, that pot filled with sin. Now he made us a new creation. We're useful vessels to do his will. We couldn't do his will. Nobody can do his will unless we are saved. The Lord can use people that aren't in his own way to get his will accomplished. But to get something spiritually done, we have to be saved first. Now we can give that comfort, encouragement, assurance, hope, and love to others, especially during this COVID time. Like Randy said last week, we used uh, video chats, um, text messages, phone calls, Zoom, all this stuff, the great puppet shows we're seeing, and, and concerts. And we encourage each other, even though we do this social distancing, as we see the curve coming down, hopefully it will, it will end soon. He makes all things new. Self, new self, new family of God, new habits, new goals, new priorities. We have a new mission and we have a new master. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Amen to that. I love that word, anyone. So much of what we hear today in the news and on the pap in the papers and on the TV is kind of split down the middle, depending on what your source is. There's a lot of talk about inequality and bias, favoritism, privilege, and entitlement. But anyone means just that. Nobody is born entitled to be a Christian. It's a personal decision. Everyone must make it, regardless of race, regardless of income, the verse says, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have every everlasting life. Out of nothing, he made creation and us. In his own image, we have freedom of choice, a free will. We're not robots. Everyone has that choice. It's the most important choice we all have to make at some time in our life. Look what the Lord did in addition to creation. From that poison soup, he made hearty vegetable soup, fed the prophets and Elisha. He made a foul spring in the desert, drinkable and pure for billions. And with that city's water supply, he replenished it, and they can now grow crops to sustain them. But best of all, he made a path to salvation for all of us so we could be made something from nothing. He made believers alive when we were dead. He gave us a brand new life. In Colossians 2.13, it says, 
When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. There is another word we're hearing constantly now that canceled. Some people want to cancel everything. People's debts, history, people they don't like. They want to cancel people and people's beliefs. They may be able to cancel some of that, but the only one that can cancel our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, is Jesus Christ. They can cancel all they want, but they can never cancel that. And he took it away and nailed it to the cross, the same cross that he was nailed on. Amen. And alive with Christ, and that is the best place to be. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit, Apart from me, you can do nothing again. There's that nothing. Apart from him, we're back to nothing. So remain in him, and we can be fruitful and useful. Just a couple of bullet points I got out of this from seeing how the Lord works through his people and in his miracles. He loves his people, and he provides for them. He gives his people an overabundance of what they need. In every one of these, they got actually more than, he never gives the bare minimum. He is overabundant with his blessings. He uses his people for his purpose to strengthen them and grow their faith and trust and to advance his will. Here's a few of these people like us that are being used for his will. Rahab sheltered Joshua's scouts and secretly lowered them down by a rope. Moses used a simple staff to perform God's signs that humbled Pharaoh. Amazing. Samson used a donkey's jawbone to kill scores of the enemy. And David used a slingshot to kill the mighty Goliath. The Lord uses prisoners and free men Slaves and rulers, young people and very old people, farmers, fishermen, doctors, tax collectors, shepherds, carpenters, and on and on. Every occupation. The Lord can use anyone who is willing and able for his purpose. You think, man might think, all this stuff has to be documented. We have to find find the most adept writer who can really pour things out in the written word. So who did the Lord use to write a good portion of the New Testament? A man who could had poor vision, Paul, we know, because he had to write in very large letters. That's amazing. The Lord doesn't care anything about that. He'll use anybody any way he wants so regardless of what you think your skill set is, the Lord can use you for his purpose. And what a shame it is that so many choose to remain dead in their sins 
in that nothing state in the poisonous pot. They're just sitting there simmering, unwilling to accept the one that can change them from useless to useful. He makes something from nothing. This is a song by Jessica Reedy, and she sings it on YouTube. I sure don't do it any justice by reading it, but I'm going to read it anyway. It said, Lord, I try so hard to be the best that I can be. It's like every time I take one step, something's right in front of me. Lord, where would I be without your grace and mercy? Now I have one question. Lord, why me? You changed my whole life. You made my wrongs right. And for the rest of my life, I'll never know why you made something out of nothing. You made something out of nothing. You spoke, and I was so. Why? I'll never know. My life was headed out of control. Somehow, I shifted it to overload. But then you came and did a work on me out of everything I once was. Somehow, you saw a masterpiece. You changed my whole life. You made my wrongs right, and I'll never know why. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We praise you for these, all these examples. We praise you for your blessings. Lord, they just overwhelm us. We don't deserve them, but you protect your people. You bless us. You see us, your power in creation and all these miracles that strengthen us, strengthen our faith. And we pray for People, Lord, that don't make this decision, that continue to sit simmering away in that that simple pot, Lord. There are many. We pray that you would just bless uh, our church, bless our people. We pray pray for the fight against the COVID, that it could be defeated and we could uh, just assemble again soon. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.